0: As you know, we're, we're kind of doing this short series of the up, in and out um, relationships that we, that we have and uh, the framework of kind of growing healthily. So the idea of up being um, with God, our relationship with God, um, and making sure that we're like listening and following who God is and, and what that means in our lives. Uh, the idea of in... <laughs> um, and the idea of church and that we're a body, that we're not supposed to be isolated as, as just one-offs, but actually together we, we have something to offer as well. Um, and it's really important to build those relationships. Um, and then the out. Um, I'm already completing my first slide, Luke, <laughs> before you've even got it up there. Okay, sorry. We're it like it. And the idea of... Um, it worked earlier, Luke, just so you know. Um, and then this idea of out and actually we've got a, a duty, I suppose, to, to take uh, the, the message that we hold so dear, um, the love that God has shown us, the gospel, uh, and to bring it out. And actually, we've got these three aspects, up, in, and out, taking it out. And, and that's what I want to kind of bring today, is this aspect of out. When you, when you hear the idea of evangelism or you 're in a situation where you have the opportunity to evangelize um, how how do you feel dread, right. dread. dread. Well, that's excitement Excitement. So we have like a different spectrum there. some people love it, some hate it um, I'm, i um, dread might be a little bit stronger than how I feel, but i 'm kind of edging towards that side of things. Um, I find it very difficult, and some of the th- thoughts that go through my head are I'm not ready yet or I need to know a little bit more about the Bible or I need to know a little bit more about God before I can do that. I don't want to look silly when people come at me with well-constructed arguments and I feel, oh no, I'm out of my depth. I'm not intelligent enough uh, to debate or persuade. I don't have enough faith. And also like, I may come out of this situation worse than when I went in. Does anybody else feel like that sometimes? Or is it just me? I think actually this might be risky for me. I'm feeling a bit vulnerable. Um it's not worth it. I might I'll wait for the next opportunity. Maybe I'll feel a little bit better then. And sometimes if we do make that first step and we're in this situation, um we get hit with some difficult questions maybe, and that's what the dread. Uh, is why you felt that dread. Um, do you really believe that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish? Yeah. Is that something that. Really? Yes. You not, you're not crazy. How exactly did all the animals fit onto a boat? Cheers, Luke. No, thanks for helping. Oh, I do. It's in my bag. How many Christians does it take to uh, fix a laptop? Um, it's, in my, it's in my bag. I'll go. Thanks, Sam. This is all very. This is helping lots of my nerves. Thanks, guys. Um, so yeah, you get hit by these um, difficult questions: uh, creation in seven days, or science says differently. Where do we stand on that? That's a whole debate, isn't it? Um, did God... This is this is a headline in. Um, Christianity magazine once. Uh, did God really command genocide in the Old Testament? And that's something that actually people ask, isn't it? When they see how the Old Testament, there's a lot of death and fighting and wars. And like, how does that reconcile with Jesus and, and how we live now? And sometimes there's like the personal ones, which I think um, fill me with the most dread. Um, if God is so good, why did he let my mom die like that? Or, and you just like. <laughs> Kind of melt away sometimes, don't you? Just feel like this is this is too much. This is very very difficult situation to be in. But when I when I read this book, and um, there's something in here that I just go, this is amazing. There's something in here that I just go, this is massive, and I need to show people. But how? And I don't. Sometimes I struggle. I find it difficult. And I read the passages in here, and I see things that that happen in here, and they don't happen in my life. And I think, why, how or why? And I don't have all those answers to those questions, unfortunately. Oh, that's how I feel with, with evangelism. A bit of shock and nervous. Oh, yeah, is that all right? Thanks, Luke. Appreciate your help. Thanks, Sam, for actually doing it, wherever he is. Uh, great. And... Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm coming from anyway. And I hope maybe some of us can tie in Nigel's... Uh, that's the that's word. Right. Forgive me for those of you who don't, are not football lovers, but I'm going to use a football analogy. So bear with me and try and engage try as best as you can. But imagine that you are the goalkeeper on Team Christian. Yeah? And you're playing against an All-Star 11 from... Uh, the rest of the world. So you've got all the different major religions in there. You've got Team Muslim and Team Hindu, and you've got Team Atheist as their lead striker and top goal scorer of the season. (laughs) And um, Team Christians score a goal, 1-0 up, great. We're all loving life. Um, And then there comes a point where Team Atheist always cropping up and smacking one into the back of the net. One all, half-time comes. And the coach says, this is it. We've got one half left. We all know that the best player in the world is going to come on at some point and win the game for us. But up until then, we cannot let up. We cannot let him down. We cannot give up. And you've got a few players that are kind of in the huddle trying to gee each other up. And one says... Uh, We've been given responsibility to win this game. We need a strategy. Faithfulness is good, but it doesn't guarantee us a win, and we need to win. Another guy crops up. We need to bowl them over. Just let them have it. No mercy. Just go for it. And then someone, maybe it's yourself, someone with a little bit of wisdom says, this isn't easy, but we don't just need a strategy or more faithfulness or simply to try harder, we need to befriend them. Be nice to them, share some hugs and handshakes, then they'll trust us, and it will be easier to score. <laughs> but anyway, you'll, you'll go out for the second half, and you're not sure whether it's, um, you try to implement all three of these different ideas, um, and you score a goal, 2-1, what are the chances? And then something unthinkable happens. A man walks across the pitch, interrupts the game, and you're thinking, what on earth is going on? Can he not see that this is the match of a lifetime? He thinks it's all over. over. (laughs) Can he not see? And you notice he's wearing sandals. And then you see... No, it wasn't Sam. And then um, you're on goal, and you see... This guy's eyes from afar looking right into you and there's something in his eyes like a fire and a passion. Maybe it's compassion. And he says, come and follow me. And you're thinking, what on earth is going on? Can he not see what is happening? But yet there's something compelling about his eyes and you want to try and ask some questions and you want to find out why is he acting like this? What is he doing? You run after him. Your teammates not too happy. And as you, as you wander off trying to get this guy's attention, uh, you hear a goal goes in and it's two all. So you ask, who are you and what do you want? And he says, come and see, follow me. I can't. I have responsibilities. I'd follow you, but as long as you told me which side you're, you're on, which team are you on. Neither, he says. What? So you must be, you're on your own side? Yes, he says. What's the name of your side? Joshua. Just follow me and you'll see what I mean. Sometimes I think we're stuck in this football match. Everyone's playing. Um, and we're trying to score goals against each other and score points. But winning isn't about scoring points. It's Joshua. It's Jesus. He is the score. You soon realize that life will not be the same again following this guy. Sometimes I think that us versus them mentality just isn't effective at all. Sometimes we feel like we need to be the Bible's defense lawyer and know it inside out before we do anything about evangelism, that we need to have answers to those difficult questions and the others that I'm sure you've all experienced at some point. But actually, all we have to do is speak of Jesus, and he will draw people to himself. Nigel read uh, part of this passage earlier, but I'm going to start it from a little bit earlier. Um... I'm just going to read straight off the screen. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Ouch. It's a bit harsh. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the, the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you in a testimony about God. Isn't that amazing? So if this idea of kind of like pointing to Jesus or speaking only of him, what does that actually look like? And um, I think it does go back to this triangle that we were talking of, up, in, and out. Out certainly does not stand alone as something that you can do without up and in, I don't think. Um, And so that's why I'm kind of bringing it back to here. Up, um, we heard Sam. Where is he? There he is. Sam spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, and Nigel spoke on in last week. Um, and Sam touched on the idea of like abiding in the vine. And actually, that's where the fruit comes from, is when we abide in the vine. And... Um, How can I I describe that? It's not not a standalone thing. We need to be part of Jesus. We need to abide in him fully, immerse ourselves, Um, not every now and again, but it's it's our actual life, our entirety, our our, our all, Um, our strength, our soul, our mind, our heart. In. Through the unity of the body, the world will see something amazing. In in John 17, Jesus prays for the church to be one, and by that people will know that he is Jesus. The unity of the church is actually something we should strive for. It's a a really important aspect. And it's amazing to hear the testimonies that, Nigel, you gave time for people to say about how the church has supported and helped individuals here And I'm sure there's going to be so many more cases of that being broader too. But the unity of the church um, is a really important aspect, actually, for evangelism. A really important aspect for showing people the love of Jesus. If we can all get along together with all our differences and all our struggles and personalities and clashes, there's something amazing in that. There's something amazing in that. People will see a love that they didn't know really existed. And then on the outside of things, I've put an image of salt and light. Can't see it too clearly up there, but the irony. <laughs> and then, um, but this idea that we need to be different. I, when I was at uni, I remember um, I had a decent group of friends. They were all fairly nice. Um, I seem to attract My dad always says that I've got great friends. You've done done well for yourself. And I think I have. I've I've got a great bunch of friends. I've managed to kind of fall on my feet in that way. But I remember having a conversation with some guys at uni. um, And it came up in this conversation that I was a Christian. And they said, ah, I'd never have guessed. You seem so normal. (laughs) And at the time, I took that as a compliment But now I look back and I think, wait a minute, I was dead and I came alive, I was blind in certain areas and I was given sight, the Holy Spirit had come, lived inside me, I'd taken that on board and no one noticed I look back at that and I think that wasn't really a compliment at all, actually. There should have been something so distinctive about how I lived my life that they knew. And there's a difference between being odd or strange, um, as sometimes Christianity is seen, if we're honest, aren't we? And actually being distinct and different and interesting. Jesus was distinct and different and interesting. People might have thought he was a little bit strange at times too. But I feel most thought there was something here that I need to actually ask some questions about. I'm going to skip a little bit. Actually, maybe I won't. Um, When I was kind of studying and reading up and did a little bit of listening to other preachers and reading other books as well, people were talking about, when was the last time that we wept for the lost? I couldn't couldn't remember when the last time that I was just so overwhelmed with love for people that don't know God, that I myself was weeping. And like when I read this and I see there's something in here, and I go, "Oh my God, this is real." I need to act more like Jesus. We have those um, WWJD wristbands, don't we? The what would Jesus do? Or like bookmarks, and I think they're kind of corny at times. But actually, there's something really good about that—to constantly be reminded of actually, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would he act? Because we're not going to be able to be the perfect role model all of the time. But the situations in which we just need to remind ourselves who we actually are, who we represent, what is our core priority for our life in its entirety. And at times when I kind of grasp it and I weep and I live again actually, Is our love, well, Jesus' love for people that motivates us, how much do we love? Have I gone? No, I haven't. Great. The thing, the salt and the light, what is distinctive about us? When um, the way that modern church looks, we have sung worship, and then a preach normally. Um, and that's, we've been doing that for years and years. And um, as good as this band are, and everybody else that um, helps out with worship every now and again, the ad hoc bass playing that I do. Um, if I'm real, I would say the Red Hot Chili Peppers are better than these guys, musically. <laughs> On the bass. (laughs) Cheeky, Nigel. Sam was speaking last week, or myself this week. And I would say maybe Nelson Mandela is a better communicator or a better orator than I. Or Winston Churchill, maybe. But there's something different about this band and Sam and Nigel and whoever's speaking at the front. And that's God, right? We have something that absolutely trumps everything else, and that's Jesus Christ. We have an unfair advantage when it comes to communicating the gospel, because the gospel is Jesus. And sometimes we, we lose it. We, we think we need to be a defense lawyer for the book And this is, we've got some of the wisest people throughout generations continually fighting over actually what does this one little bit say or this one little bit. But the thing that nobody seems to disagree on is the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is the unfair advantage that we have when it comes to this football match as it were. lost myself sorry i'll use a um i'll cover it up by taking a drink i am um, i've had the privilege with it with my work uh I work for xlp um a charity youth work charity and we took a group to romania and as part of that we um we were working in a place that kind of gave Respite to people with disabilities and their families over, like, the summer, and do different activities with these uh, these people, uh, young and old. Actually, it wasn't just youth. And um, we were in these buildings. were not They were not the greatest buildings. There was resources weren't magnificent, Um, but they were inspired by God to do this, and particularly in the context of Romania um, and. Eastern Europe, um, where disability is still seen as potentially a curse from previous generations. And thankfully that's changing um, rapidly, actually, which is really encouraging. But it's a difficult context to be in uh, for those people. But I remember we were in this room and we had the young adults group from a local church um, come and spend time with us there. And one of the guys picked up a guitar and started singing a song in Romanian. And I can't, for some reason I can't remember what song it actually was that they were singing. But I do remember that our group started singing the English lyrics to it. And um, it was a Christian song. And we were just there worshipping. One guitar, very simple room, a group of Romanians, a group of English guys. No show, no celebrity talking about their transformation from drugs or like this massive um, testimony. There wasn't the best musicians in the world. There's a guy on a guitar that he found just in the corner of the room. But there was something absolutely amazing about us singing out praise to God in different languages in the same way. And that, again, is that unfair advantage of God being present, not just about our skills and our human wisdom and our human talents. And there was a non-Christian guy with us on that trip, and um, he started asking some questions. And he started seeking Jesus for himself. And I don't think it was anything to do with my wisdom or our group's wisdom, but sometimes they're like weeks in your life when you're constantly pointing to God. When your whole body is just positioning itself and just pointing to Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about him. Unfortunately, I've lost contact with that guy, but he, he, gave, he did say that he'd given his life to God. And I tried to support him a little bit, but maybe it's a failing on my side. I'm not sure. But, we have lost contact. And I just pray and hope for him that he's continued on that way. I believe that it takes a miracle for someone to believe what we believe. The Bible uses phrases, as I said before, such as dead, deaf, and blind, to describe the lost. It requires a miracle for people to have new life our our logic our understanding cannot generate that it requires a miracle and that i hope is actually relaxing for you because when you think about oh it's dread for me it's because i feel like i need to again defend this or know all the answers but actually when i know it's a miracle I have no hope of doing that other than with God. I have no hope. There's n- I don't have that responsibility because I cannot actually do it. And hopefully, that's freeing to understand I'm um, in this situation. My only hope is Jesus Christ, not me. I don't need to worry about my intellect. I don't need to worry about how good a communicator I actually am because it requires a miracle. Francis Chan puts it like this if god asked you to go to the local cemetery to raise the dead not just not 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 everyone but just one what would you do who would you bring who would you bring with you you've been cheating <laughs> but would you bring a great orator a great communicator to raise the dead Nelson Mandela trying his hardest oh no or me trying my hardest no. thank you as you've just shown there not the greatest communicator would you bring a worship band with you to raise the dead the greatest worship team of all time maybe Bethel My only hope, as Alison said, is to turn into God. Because that's all that can help in that situation. And we're talking about raising the dead, giving new life. I can't do it, it's only about God. I'm not sure how long I've been talking for, I'm sorry. I've got a conclusion, but it's kind of long. But I'm going to go for it. Just giving you a heads up. Um, in John nine, we we hear the story of Jesus healing a blind man, and I'm going to give you all a little bit of homework, which is to read the entirety of John nine by this time next week. Someone can uh, check on that. Um, but in reality, no, sorry, not in reality. No, I genuinely would encourage you actually to all read John 9. But the story goes like this. Jesus heals a blind man. (laughs) The blind man starts to tell people about it. Because it was on the Sabbath, the Pharisees get involved. They think that there's something untoward going on. And they say, this man is not from God. For he does not keep the Sabbath. And they get the blind guy in and ask him a few questions. And they say, what do you think of this guy? Jesus. And the blind man says, he is a prophet. They thought, maybe he wasn't blind in the first place. Maybe it's a different guy. So they get his parents in and say, is this your blind son? And they say, yes. And then they ask them what they think of it, and at the time, um, if you were to profess Jesus as a Messiah, you'd be thrown out of the synagogue. So out of fear or dread, they said, "Ask him yourself, he is of age." Because they were worried about how that might look on them. And they ask the man a second time, and they say, "Was he a sinner?" for he did this on the Sabbath. It says, whether he was a sinner, I do not know, but what I do know is I can see. Yeah? I feel like that's essentially the conclusion right there. You don't need to know absolutely everything, but what you do know is that he loves me. There's something in me that's changed when I got to know Jesus Christ, Right? There's something about my life that's no longer the same. That's what you grasp onto and go, everything else, I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to continue studying because I love my God and I want to know a bit more about this and I need to know a little bit more in depth here. And I'd love to know the true meaning of that. And what does this mean? And and the enjoyment of debate and, and, and increasing our understanding of who God is. But in reality, what matters is the fact that you know him and it changed your life. Your whole priorities, your perspective has changed entirely. And that is a miracle. Yeah? And that miracle is something that people will want to know about because they will see how you live your life and go, there is something distinct, there is something interesting how can they go through these trials and still point to Jesus Christ? That's, that's not logical. How can they have these celebrations and say it's not about me, it's about Jesus Christ? That is a miracle. You don't need to have the greatest testimony of all time to show and point to Jesus Christ. Because it's, it's not about you at all. <laughs> It's all about him. Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. But what I do know is I can see. They asked him twice, and so he cheekily says, Were you not listening? Do you too want to be a disciple? (laughs) I just love him. He's so audacious. But because of that, he gets insulted by standing up for Jesus, and he gets cast out. The reality of the situation is sometimes that might happen to us too, that we might get insulted and cast out. That's not going to be enjoyable. But if we believe what we believe, that's worth it. Trying to convey and point to Jesus, and it's him that does the work, not us.